Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC Phoenix. Our main event is Francis Ngannou taking on Kane Velasquez. We are here to break down this card top to bottom, all things DraftKings. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, joined as always with our analysts for Fight IQ, Chris Olson and Joe Sunsu. Guys, we had a pretty good card last week. I'm I'm assuming you guys also made money and looking to roll on with it this week. Yeah, I uh, I, I was pretty happy with it. And uh, one of the major, major things I was happy with last week was I uh, finished in first place in my uh, DFS World Cup group. That means I have a bye week this week, so I'm relaxing on that and just putting all of my energy into uh, Sean's tournament, the DFS Ironman, try to get some points. Finished just outside with no points last week, so uh, we're going to try to fix that with a pretty interesting card with a lot of interesting fights, so ready to go. Well, yeah. I did not I did not make money last week, guys, so I'm, I'm happy oh, no. that you guys did. Well. Well, look. I mean, we we went we went down to eleven fights, and unfortunately, I did not know about the cancellation until about an hour and a half before. So I had to go through and change multiple lineups. I had a number of dupes, and then, of course, to add insult to injury, when I realized I had an extra thirty minutes left because they delayed the start time from six thirty to seven, I went in and I swapped out my lineup that I put in the World Cup to 
a somewhat more conservative lineup that included um, Asanya in it. And uh, as, as it turned out, that lineup ended up shitting the bed. Um, all favorites won last week. Um, so, yeah, I, I needed Asanya to put up. I think if he scored 103, I would have been nicely in the money. And as we know, he did not score close to that. So it was not a great week for me. I, I made plenty of cash, but I, and I finished first in my World Cup group. But he, um, the previous two weeks, I did so bad it didn't matter. I, I, st- I still didn't advance, but I got some points in Iron Man. Um, so if you guys are in that, the standings, I'm always posting them. Actually, quick PSA if you are in that. In my creating the contest this week, I tried to edit the name to name it correctly at the last second. And DraftKings still created two contests. One is named MMA Iron Man. I saw that. Um, UFC Phoenix. And one is just free contest by Cactus Jack 2. Everybody, please join the one that's named UFC Phoenix. I've been going through every day, sometimes twice a day, inviting everyone who hasn't joined the right contest. Um, if there are any issues, I'm going to go go through and take care of those people. Um, but just if you have already registered, just make sure you're in the right contest. I do appreciate that. And while we're doing PSA, since we're talking, you know, getting ready to break down these fights on this fight card from top to bottom, Podcast is brought to you by Rotowire, Rotowire MMA. Make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free. Get your 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. All sports, daily fantasy, season-long. Make sure and check them out if you want to follow us and all of our shenanigans on Twitter. We've had some good back and forth. I think I know me and Chris had one earlier. Joe's always good good for something, especially with there being four women's MMA fights <laughs> on this card. Make sure and follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at the DFS Sniper, one S in that. Chris is at Real Chris Olsen. Joe is at Sun Tzu, S-U-N-T-S-Z-U. We record these live on Friday nights. Guys in chat, welcome back. Um, if you're listening to this after the fact on the Rotowire MMA um, iTunes or SoundCloud feed, as I mentioned, we record these live on Friday nights. Jump in chat. Always here to answer questions. You guys who are here, ask away, chat away, and let's get to some fights. And we're going to start right away with a fight that is uh, causing me a bit of a headache because I had a pretty clear – I still do have a pretty clear picture in my mind how it's going to go, and the lines keep going the other way. It's Alexandra Albu at 8,600 taking on Emily Spitfire Whitmire at 7,600 Albu. Opened up at minus 170, down to minus 125. The comeback on Whitmire is plus 105. We had we have some odds value here. I'm not seeing it. I love Al, Al, Alexandra Albu in this matchup. But I will refer to the women's MMA expert on the podcast. Joe, start us off this week. Uh, I sort of get it. I mean, you know, Whitmire's been a bit more active. She's more public in terms of how she trains. We really don't know what albu's been doing for the last two years i mean she is like an over muscular power fighter without a whole lot of technique who look destroyed caitlin curran but i mean so is everybody else so i do sort of get it i mean it's you know not knowing whether she's improved over the last two years you know training somewhere in russia i heard she had visa issues i mean it's all kinds of like you know like hidden narrative around this fight and you know, you just don't know if she's improved in the last two years. And and we did see that all that muscle slows her down later in fight. So I'm not going to necessarily go as far as picking Whitmire here, but I do get some of the line movement. And because of the odds value, 
I will have a few more shares of Whitmire than I originally thought I would have. Um, I just kind of set some allocations now and probably a little bit less of Albu. Um, I will, with a low mid confidence range factor or variable pick Albu to win here, but it's there's a lot of variables here. Um, I would not like hang my hat too hard on her without knowing what she's been doing for the last two years. My somebody in chat said they can't wait to see uh, the Russian Instagram butt models every two year appearance, which I thought was a good line. Yep. And then um, if she was more of a sub threat, she'd be more interesting to me. I don't need the sub threat because she is so much volume. Yes, she's wild. Yes, she did gas against Kaylin Curran, and that's my worry in this fight: is could she gas again, and could she get caught in a sloppy submission? Those and then uh, before before Chris goes to add insult to injury. I don't think Albu has the best ass on this card, so we will we will come up with that shortly. Let's, she does not, let's, in let's, my let's, opinion. Let's let's let's. I'm, I'm gonna stick to the fights here because I said <laughs> Albu. I have a bet on Albu at much worse odds than where they are now. So I'm trying to trying to justify it. Just plenty of volume is just super strong. Should be able to take down Emily Whitmire as long as she doesn't get subbed. I think she wins this fight, but. Actually, I know Chris agrees because this is what we had our, our back and forth on on Albu because there's no odds value here, and I think I'm still going to play her, and it's going to be me and Chris Olsen against the world, and that's that's terrifying. Yeah, no, we, we definitely bonded over this fight. It was nice. Um, I I just think that um, Whitmire, as I noted on Twitter, it's she's one, she was one in four in her amateur MMA career, which just – I mean, if I liked her – Based on tape, I would still pick her. That wouldn't stop me. But I just had to note how strange that was because I've never seen somebody with such a bad losing record uh, in amateur fights go on to get pro fights. She's now 3-2 and two as a pro, I believe. I mean, so it's not like she's been setting the world on fire since she came here. She had that uh, quick arm bar uh, sub loss on the Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, then she had, they had the fight with, um, uh, who was it, Aguilar, Jessica Aguilar. So, um uh, yeah, uh, my problem is I don't really know what she does all that well. In the Aguilar fight, Aguilar has a tendency to just have to really get in the pocket to land all her strikes. Um, and and um, Whitmire would just flurry counter combinations and land sometimes and hit some reactive shots. But um, other than that, um, even Aguilar was having some success. when. Wait, she wait, was wait. I, you got you to gotta stop. Aguilar? Well, I well, who was it? I thought it was that. Was it? Was it? Whitmire faced Jamie Moyle. Jamie Moyle. Jamie Moyle. I'm sorry. Escab it was Escabel and Aguilar. Okay. Good note. Okay. Jamie Moyle. So ev everything I say stands except it's Jamie Moyle. So, <laughs> but in that fight, um, she she tends to have to, as I said, um, really get in the pocket to land her strikes, which opened her up for counters, which Whitmire was landing, but um, she had reactive um takedowns too but i just think that albu is as we said um too powerful she's going to be way more physical she's actually good at keeping people on the end of her punches and um you know she might not have like a, like a like a fantastic sub game but one of her wins in the ufc is actually by submission was a, a actually a guillotine choke when um somebody was trying to take her down so there's that um i just think that um uh, Albu's going to be able to overwhelm her. And um, I, I don't see Whitmire as having any clear skills to make that otherwise. So the gassing could be an issue, but it's not a worry at the top of my list. I'm taking Albu. 
All right, let's move on to a barftacular fight. Luke Sanders, 8,700, taking on 2019 Henan Barrow at 7,500. Luke Sanders is a minus 185 favorite over Henan Barrow. I never thought I'd see the day, but Henan Barrow is losing to guys like like Andre Yule. Like the odds are kind of justified. Lost to Andre Yule, lost to Brian Kelleher. And we got Luke Sanders, the fight IQ of a rock. Um, it's just an odd fight. They're both going to want to stand and trade. That's where Sanders will have any kind of success. Barrow in 2019, I can't trust him on the feet. He's always getting outstruck by Andre Yule. So where do we go? I go to they're going to stand for three rounds. I think it's going to be close. Ultimately, I'm picking Luke Sanders to win, but I won't roster him at all. And I'll take the shot on Barrow in some lineups in a close fight for 7,500. Uh, Chris, do you agree with that? Yeah, pretty much. I just It's just so hard um, to pick Barrow these days. Even even when we said um, or we thought that he might try to be to be a committed wrestler, which he was for periods of that Andre Yule fight, um, it left him so terribly gassed for the third round. He was just eating strike after strike and not even really throwing anything back. Very flat-footed. And, I mean, Andre Yule's just too, too quick and crisp of a striker to do that against, and he just lit him up. Um, I see Luke Sanders as, as doing kind of the same thing as long as he can stay on his feet. Um, just really pouring on that pressure and uh, throws good combinations. He, he has decent power. And um, I think he could have tripped Barrow in pretty much the same way. I, I expect Barrow to try to use his wrestling again. And we know that um, we know that uh, Sanders has been subbed um, in the UFC, of course. Most recently, the heel hook from Yaya. Before that, um, the knee bar from uh, Yuri Alcantara. So, you know, definitely a possibility. It's hard to trust at this point, but, you know, because we've seen um, Luke Sanders taken down and sub before, and that's uh, Barrow's smartest game plan, I think that maybe there might be some value on him just because he's lost so many times. I don't think people will be picking Luke Sanders per se, but I think they might just wash out of this fight and, and wash their hands of it. So I think Barrow could be an, a nice dog play there if, if People haven't trusted him, and uh, if you trust him, he uses wrestling. I just—I don't think he uses his wrestling. Does he finally win a decision on the feet, uh, Joe? Um, I'm I'm really more looking forward to the uh, the pre-fight ceremony where Paul Felder actually gets to hand off his dunce cap to Luke Sanders, as having the worst fight IQ in the UFC. So that's something I'm I'm really looking forward to. I, I know you we make these jokes, but I think we can't anymore. Because Andre Sukumta is still in the UFC. Well, yeah, I, I, I that's worse. Stand I up. I still have to get. Well, Sukumta beat Sanders, which is why I have to give it to Sanders. Yeah, worse um, fight IQ though. Just yeah, stand up. Uh, yeah. So, um, I look. There's been a okay. So there's some narrative, um, you know, around Luke Sanders that actually makes me like him even less than I already did. One is obviously he broke up with his his famous, you know, WWE girlfriend Becky Lynch. He also became a, a full-time and sole dad, which is makes him a good human being, but doesn't actually bode well for training. Left his camp in Nashville, um, went to Arizona. The, the lab, you say? No, not the MMA lab. Uh, the, the, the Henry Cejudo camp, which uh, is, is essentially, you know, all dedicated to Henry Cejudo. Um, so I, I cannot trust Sanders here. And I did see... 
some of the old Burrell in the last fight early on. Um, I think he has enough here. Um, I, I obviously love his price on DK, so I am not saying to fade Sanders. I will have a few shares of Sanders, but I'm going to pick Burrell for the win. I think Joe, by the way, is a max multi guy. If you don't know, I think you were playing under 20 lineups. I, I have a hard time getting Sanders in personally. I have a, I, I, I just ran my first 20 and I have them in four lineups, I think at a 20. Gotcha. That seems like a lot to me, but it, yeah. it will be different. He will not be popular. Huh. All right. Jessica Penne, 8,400 taking on Jody Escabel at 7,800. Penny's the favorite, minus 140. Escabel the dog, plus 120. I started this week. Look, actually, I can break this fight down really quickly. I think skill for skill, Penny's, Penny's the better fighter, but she's got the one with all the narrative that Joe's going to go over. Hasn't fought in a long time. Popped by USADA. Um, lost to Danielle Taylor, who throws similar to Escabel in that moves in and throws in combinations, whereas Taylor is way faster. Escabel just throws harder. Penny should have the advantage on the ground and... I want, I'm going back to picking her, but I was hesitant at the start of the week because of all this outside the cage crap. So, Joe, do you have any extra insight to this outside the cage, you know, shenanigans that Jessica Penny's been dealing with for the last two years now? Well, okay. So, just like, let's get out of the way. Uh, you know, Jessica Penny has the best ass on this card. She is the backdrop for the Creating Alpha uh, uh, Twitter page. That is Jessica Penny. So, let's get that out of the way. Um, 36 years old, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, trains at Alliance, love her camp. Um, by the way, very funny on her Two Straws YouTube video where her and Angela Hill do fight selections. Um, uh, I Jessica Penne is, has fought much better competition, former Invicta champ. Um, yes, she's 36 years old. Um, she has more than enough here to beat Jody Escabel, either on the ground or standing. We all know she can take a hell of a lot of punishment. Um, I do not see Escabel dishing out the same level of punishment that uh, Jessica Penne has taken in the past. Yes, the layoff um, is of concern, but I believe she lives in San Diego, so she's pretty much been training the entire time. You know, which Angela with Angela Hill and others at Alliance. Um, I think Pearl Gonzalez is there too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, she's got some good training partners. Uh, I don't think much of Escapel. Look, I, she's married to the Dean Amin, Keith Jardine, um, trades at Jackson Wank, which is obviously a good camp. But I don't think she's at that stage in her career where she's getting any better. And she was dominated by Aguilar, just dominated. And then Aguilar, in turn, got smoked in her way. And maybe that was the recency bias that I bought into, you know, thinking that Aguilar had a chance in her next fight, which makes Escapel look all that much worse. Um, and Aguilar trains at AT&T. So bringing it back full circle, I'm picking Penny to win. I just don't know what kind of score she's going to put up, but I will suspect that given who surrounds her on DK, that she will be very low owned. So I would say have a share or two of Penny in case she really does destroy uh, Escabel. Um, but, you know, not too much. Penny to win. Chris? Yeah, I must be a full moon or something because we actually uh, agree exactly on this fight, uh, Sean. I, I actually, I actually think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot like that Danielle Taylor fight with uh, Penne just pressuring and trying to land her strikes and and uh, Escabel with the lateral in and out movement and just um, get uh, 
firing shots and then just not being there on the return. Well, and- th- there's there's one difference. I want to see what you th- what you think because the difference where I think the reason I've switched my pick is what I mentioned is that I think Escabel fights a similar style to Taylor, but she's nowhere near as fast. And I think at no, some point Penny is going to trap her against the cage. And Joe said she's a black belt in BJJ. She's a brown belt in judo. And if she catches Escabel, it's going to be a problem. She was she was taken down by Aguilar. She's not as fast. I agree 100%. I don't think she has to be. Um, I think she's fast enough. Um, I I just I just think that um, look we we've seen um, Escabel. Um, you know she has pretty decent takedown defense, and uh, I just I just don't know that. Um, and it's been a while too since we've seen Penny even try to get a fight to the ground. Maybe that's just a consequence of her opponents uh, recently. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think you can have confidence that um, Penne is, is going to come out and, and, like, wrestle or even try to get this fight to the ground. And if she doesn't, um, I don't really see her on, uh, winning a stand-up battle just because, you know, she's such a, a sort of a slow wooden striker. So I don't like this fight for DK um, basically anywhere because I think even if Esquivel wins, it's just going to be a, a really, like – slow drawn out like single shot like point based decision but i think the winner is going to be Escabel. really Escabel. Yeah. Okay. Right. let's wow. move on we got scott holtzman 8500 taking on nick the carney lentz at 7700 holtzman the favorite minus 170 to come back on lentz lentz is plus 150 if you've listened to any of my podcasts since i started doing this any of my YouTube videos where Nick Lentz is in the card, you know what I think of him as a fighter and as a person. Um, yeah, I'm taking Scott Holtzman here. I'm hoping the um, Alain Patrick domination wasn't a flash in the pan, and I'm going to take Holtzman pretty comfortably, who I do think overall he's just better. The two guys he's lost to are Josh Emmett and Drew Dober. And I think Drew Dober's underrated, especially on the feet. Um, so give me Holtzman in this one. Chris? Yeah, um, well, I think I agree with you, with you on on half of that there, Sean. But um, as far as Nick Lentz goes, but as far as this fight goes, I, the one thing that I like about Lentz uh, recently is he seems to really have sort of a functional kickboxing game now, where he didn't before. I would say at least the past like three or four fights, um, and, and he's also pretty quick. Um, you know, he's a decent counter striker. He he's good at darting in and out, and throwing counter hooks. Holtzman is also a good counter striker, um, so he could he could conversely clip uh, uh, Nick Lentz coming in as well. I think the problem is that um, Nick Lentz is just a little bit um, too upright and, and stiff for me as a striker, and I think that um, Lentz should just be able to move around him and land his shots. I will say, though, that most people who have tried to take down Nick Lentz, even though we think of him as the grappler, most people um, – or a grappler, we know Holtzman's a grappler too – but most people who have tried to take down uh, Nick Lentz have done so, and Holtzman's top game is is pretty crushing. He's a big dude uh, for this weight class. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that um, Holtzman could take it down to the ground and have success. I think Lentz is going to have the success on the feet. Um, as much as I hate to do it, I think I'm picking Lentz here just barely. I just think he's going to have more success on the feet, and I think he's going to be – maybe a good enough grappler to withstand those exchanges. So I think I'm going Lentz. So how about for you? Yeah, so Holtzman has scored over 100 DraftKings points in his last three fights. Yes, 
Two of those were against Horcher and McBride. Um, he is an A-plus athlete, former hockey player. Um, quick story, quick narrative. Um, Holtzman used to fight for a promotion called XFC. Um, he was like their marquee signing. That was a promotion that was co-founded and uh, was run by uh, an actually uh, ex, uh, uh, you know, high school classmate of mine, um, John Prisco. Um, that was their marquee signing um, in XFC, Holtzman. So Holtzman has been around for a little while. Um, the Alan Patrick fight, I view as his coming out party. Um, he trains at a really good camp. Uh, what is it off the top of my head? He trains at uh, – actually, that's that doesn't seem right. Um, I'm pretty sure he switched camps. We'll but, find it for you, Joe. I'll yeah, I know. It said Shield, but I don't think it's Shield. I think it's he, he's at a name camp now. I want to say – uh, I want to say alpha male, but I'm not positive. But anyway, um, I think he, I think Holtzman is clearly the harder hitter, um, which means I give him a stand-up advantage. Look, Greg Maynard actually was actually got in and was able to hit um, Lens. I think Holtzman, if he connects, um, he's also got some good takedowns. I see one path to victory for Lens, and that is getting Holtzman to fall into his guard and 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 putting a guillotine on him um that's really the only way i see lens winning um i think he's worth a share or two in mass entry but uh, i like holtzman i actually like him in cash um you know he has racked up some decent points and uh, i think patrick is a better fighter than uh nick lenses so um in some ways i see this as a step down for holtzman so uh, uh Joe, real quick M mma lab for scott holtzman. okay so yeah he did move to the lab okay so scott holtzman is at the lab now got it I knew right. it was. I knew it was. He was. A, it was a local fight for him. Okay, there you go. Andrea KGB Lee, eighty nine hundred, taking on Ashley Evan Smith at seventy three hundred. KGB Lee minus one sixty. Comeback on AES is plus one forty. Overall, I think Lee's the better technical fighter. I just Ashley Evan Smith is larger, and I just if she can, her path to victory is being to bully KGB Lee in the clinch. I just don't see it happening. Ultimately, I think Lee's technique wins out, and I think she will be the better ground fighter should it get there. Joe, how do you have this one? Um, I like KGB as well. Um, I think she's – look, she's she's belted in both judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, has solid Muay Thai game. Um, you know, AES is a bit of a head case. I mean, you know, people are saying, you know, her best win is against Marion Renault. If anyone remembers, she did not win that fight. That was one of, I put that in the top two, if not the the worst uh, judge's decision of the entire year um, when she got that win. I think uh, Renault actually even went to the uh, Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission to get it overturned. That's how bad that decision was. Um, like I said, bit of a head case here. I think KJB, uh, KGB is, is technically better. Um, it surprises me to hear that Ashley Evans-Smith has got some collegiate wrestling, which I've never really seen her put all that much to use. Um, I like Angela KGB Lee here. The, the question is, you know, on DraftKings, how do you use her? Um, I kind of like her in cash. I don't know that she's going to be able to get the finish here. Um, so it, she might be risky at her price point in GPPs. And maybe for that reason, if, if it was to go to decision and AES could squeak it out a decision at, what, 7.3K, she might be worth one or two shares in mass entry GPPs, but I do like uh, KGB to win, and I do like her in cash. Chris, uh, yeah, this is um, 
I, I always like to go back um, and see what my my pick was and my reasoning was for the last time I picked a fighter. I picked uh, KGB in, in her last fight against uh, Macedo. The reason I did that, I, there was basically one reason I did it, and it was because I thought she was going to be just big enough to out-physical her in the grappling, and that's basically what happened. Um, in this fight, I think Ashley Evans-Smith could win just by being not only the bigger fighter but the much more technical grappler. Um, against the fence, she uses double underhook. She has good head pressure. Um, as Joe said, I mean, not not as much as like a, like a formal wrestling takedown artist with double legs and single legs and stuff. More like um, you know trips and and you know body lock takedowns. But um, I really think that 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 uh, that more technical grappling and physical strength is going to go a long way. I also think that while KGB is probably the more technical striker, um, if if you just come forward on her and and throw strikes. And back her up. You can get her flustered into the clinch. That was happening a lot more in that Macedo fight than I thought. I thought KGB was going to have a huge striking advantage there. Um, didn't didn't really look that way on film. So I'm I'm just not sure I can I can take um, KGB even though she may she may be and probably is the more technical striker. I don't think she can is going to use that to just sort of dominate and take over a fight or at least we haven't seen it. And that goes for some of her Invicta fights too. So as much as, as I as it kind of worries me to pick Ashley Evans Smith, I think I'm doing it just by by virtue of the, of the grappling and the way the KGB gets herself in these exchanges where I don't think she's going to be um, able to win scrambles as easy as she did against someone like Macedo. So hey, I Chris, would it surprise you that KGB actually has a reach advantage over Ashley Evans Smith and that the the disparity in height is only two inches, which is exactly the reach advantage that KGB has. And also, I will I will go on the record now and say that KGB is actually going to be the physically stronger fighter, um, you know, in okay, the ring. Well, I don't know about that. But yeah, that's I, all I, I'm worried about. Like, that's all I can't really tell on tape is if KGB uh, is going to be able to out-muscle her. She will, I, I am, I am going to go out there and, get, and guarantee you that she will get a at least one judo takedown. And to get a judo takedown, you have to be stronger than your opponent. So I, I, I see KGB is getting at least one judo takedown, and she has a two-inch reach advantage, um, and the height the height disadvantage is only two inches. Interesting. All right, let's move on to somebody asked this in chat. This is, aside from the main event, my favorite GPP fight on the card, Manny Bermudez, 9,100, taking on Benito Lopez at 7,100. Fight is minus 300 to end inside the distance. Manny Bermudez is your favorite, minus 190. Benito Lopez, the comeback, is plus 165. It is your classic striker. There's really, if any of you, either of you, Chris, try to overanalyze this fight, I'm going to lose my mind because it is – Pretty classic cut and dry striker versus grappler. Lopez is dynamic on the feet. Bermudez, dominant ground game, has pulled guard, will continue to pull guard. This fight hits the mat. Bermudez will tear through him. Lopez will have the advantage in the feet. And we've seen Bermudez hurt and dropped in the UFC. Albert Morales dropped um, Manny Bermudez. He popped back up, eventually pulled guard in that fight. And what happens first? Does Bermudez get it to the ground or does Bermudez get knocked out? Great GPP fight, a fight like that. The underdog 7100. I always side with the grappler. I'm still picking Bermudez to win this fight, but I love this fight for GPPs. I'll have plenty of Benito Lopez, if not more, just for his potential ceiling. Uh, Chris, I'll let you can analyze the fight, but let's not go crazy, friend. I guess I got to throw out all my notes now. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Good. It's but, pretty simple. Yeah, I... In all seriousness, <laughs> this is a simple fight. Well, I, I just want to start off by saying, like, I, I, 
like um um oh what is his name uh manny bermudez thank you manny bermudez is a guy that i might lose i might pick wrong against every time because I, I really just don't like him at all i mean i i of course except that he's a superior he's a superior grappler on the floor but as you mentioned sean he tries to just walk through and he gets hurt a lot um you know he he knocked out uh, davy grant with um you know sort of a fake left hook right hand that connected and i feel like I've, i was watching that fight i was like man he must have had like one trick coming in on the feet and it actually worked and then he was able to just, to just uh get the sub um i don't think that's going to happen here just because lopez is is a good mover and he's quick on his feet um i don't like his stand-up game so much either it's way too much like jumping knees and and spinning kicks and things like that but i think that once he once he has you hurt or he thinks he does he's good at you know piling on and trying to finish and i think that's probably what's going to happen here if he doesn't if he doesn't uh get taken down or get uh, guard pull first or finds the floor in some way i think maybe he hurts um i think maybe he hurts Benitez with like a head kick and then maybe moves in for a finish obviously he can um get it to the ground and man Benitez can finish that way but I can't pick that way just because he's such a sieve on the feet. So I'm going to take Benito Lopez by stoppage. Joe? Yeah, I mean, wow, this is really I'm, – I'm a little concerned here that I'm agreeing with Chris. Um, oh, there you go. But, uh, I, you know, look, I am influenced in in great part, and I should get this out of the way, by, uh, by Brett Apley, who has, you know, followed – not only followed Benito Lopez's career, but has also rolled with him, um, you know, in jiu-jitsu. Um, and look, alpha male, I like his camp. Um, Bermudez has really got one way to win. As far as I see it, I, I don't see him winning any striking exchanges. <clears throat> I mean, he's got to catch him in the submission, excuse me. And I think he has to catch him early. Um, I think the longer this fight goes, the, the momentum, um, you know, the more dangerous it's going to be for, uh, you know, for Bermudez or the Bermuda triangle, as he likes to be known. Um, I think this should be an exciting fight. It's a good fight to target. I would have shares of both on DraftKings. However, my selection is Benito Lopez. By the way, I, I somebody um, Paul Shag mentioned it on Twitter, like picking picking Benito Lopez. If you heard Brett talk about you know that he's roll with Benito, I heard that before. Like, God's no, not the only. Knew, I know, but you knew Brett was going to take take. Oh, Lopez, I did. I did. Every, I did. Everybody knew. So. Not giving out any, any competitor picks. Right, if you just, right. I mean, everybody knew Brett was going there. Yep, yep. All right, we have a fight. I'm actually, I'm actually interested to see what you guys think of this fight because this is one I was going back and forth on, and I've made my pick. And now, as I build lineups, this is a fight you just, I just keep falling to. This fight and our co-main. But let's start off with Jimmy Rivera, 8300, taking on Aljamain Sterling at 7900. Rivera, the favorite, minus 145. Comeback on Aljo is plus 125. For me, I am siding with the underdog right now. I like Aljamain Sterling in that I think he'll have a grappling advantage. I think he's going to be faster than Jimmy Rivera, use his kicks, and stay at range. I know Joe hates the camp. He hates us Long Island guys. But Sterling has turned it around, and I think he has the physical tools to win this one. Like I said, the grappling should be good, and the range should be good. Where Rivera will be strong of this fight ends up in boxing range. I think Rivera has better hands. That is where I will concede. I am giving a slight lean to Aljamain Sterling in this fight, but what I'm struggling with is how much do I play 
each of these guys. So, Joe, do you agree with the fight breakdown, and how, how are you approaching this fight? I don't really want a lot of this fight. I mean, neither one of these guys are known as DraftKings gold. Um, I will say that Aljo has looked better. Um, you know, he, he looked good in the fight uh, I saw in Atlantic City. Uh, I... I, I think Jimmy Rivera hits harder. I think if anybody's going to get a finish, it's going to be Jimmy Rivera. Um, the one thing that is pulling me somewhat off of Aljo is Rivera's got such solid takedown defense. He's got such a low center of gravity. Um, you know, obviously Aljo will be the taller and longer fighter, but, um, you know, Rivera's a, a, like a fire hydrant. I mean, the guy is short. He's low to the ground. He hits hard. Um, he's got boxing pedigree. Um, this could be like a relatively boring three-round decision where the winner scores, you know, 65, 60 points, absent takedowns. Um, you know, I don't want a lot of this. Um, I would probably in mass entry have a little bit more Jimmy Rivera um, than Aljo, but I will pick, I, we need to pick a winner here, so I will pick Rivera to get the win. Chris? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with both of you in certain spots. I, I that my pick is um, Aljo, but I also agree that I don't really want to uh, um, add so much of this fight. I just think that look, I, I mean, I, I agree that Rivera is the harder puncher. Um, I love um, his his boxing uh, skills, the way he can come in and, and sort of strike and change angles and uh, throw in combination and and really pressure the opponent. But I do think the length is going to be somewhat of an issue. Um, and I think that um, Aljamain Sterling is good enough to stay on the outside and use that length. I think he's been really good at um, at doing that, especially in recent fights. Um, I, I I just I don't really see I don't really see this finishing because I, I if you see Aljo winning, it's kind of hard to see a finish. Um, I don't think um, that Aljo is going to sub Rivera. I think the more likely scenario is he just picks him apart from range and scores sort of a lackluster three-round decision. So the pick is uh, Aljamain Sterling, but it's one that, you know, I think is kind of forgettable for DK. All right, moving on. We have Miles Jury, 8,800 against the Chalk. Andre Feely at 7,400. Miles Jury is the favorite, minus 145. Feely, the line is down to plus 125. Got some odds value there. This is Chalk I'm going to eat before I – you know, I broke down the fights and then looked at lines. I was surprised at the line on Andre Feely. I have a bet on Andre Feely. Look, Feely loses to superior strikers, which Miles Jerry is not. Miles Jerry is a slow striker. Andre Feely loses to guys like Michael Johnson and Calvin Cater. And there's another good one. And Yair Rodriguez. Like that, he has some other loss on the resume, but those are the kind of guys he loses to. Um, he, beat, he beat Dennis Bermudez. Look, he's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet. He trains a team alpha male. He's not a dominant top top pressure grappler, but he's got enough to stay away from Miles Jury and defend the takedown. And on the feet, that's where I don't I think Jury won't have anything for him. So I especially in cash games, I am eating the chalk and Andre Feely. He's my pick at seventy four hundred. Chris, how do you see this fight? Are you are you taking the chalk underdog? No, no, I've agreed with you quite enough for one day, I think. Um, are you really gonna play Miles Jury? I, I, I am, yeah. Please tell, I, uh, me how. Please tell me how. Well, Andre Feely's such weird chalk for me. I, I mean, the first thing you notice when you watch enough of Andre Feely's fights is that he's not as dynamic of a striker as you think he might be based on the length and, and um, 
the bouncing around and stuff. Basically, he's got a jab, he's got a right hand, and he's got a high kick. And he sort of varies them up. And But that's basically all he does. That's why he started getting um, tagged up by Michael Johnson is because he, he started to fall into these rogue combinations. And I think that Miles Jarrett, I mean, I agree that um, Andre Feely's faster. I mean, I would also say that as he gets tired in the second, third round, that bounce in his step starts to go away and he's a lot more flat-footed than he is when he opens up. Um, so that's interesting. But I, I, I think that Miles Jerry is 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 a decent uh, – actually, I, I would say a nice counter-striker. I like how he, he moves on moves off on angles and fires the counter shot. Um, obviously, he's going to be a much better grappler than uh, Andre Feely is. Um, I do see some of this fight being contested against the cage. I think um, that's where Jerry's going to get his takedowns. And um, – I just don't I, – I think the main disconnect for me is I don't see Feely as a good as, as good of a striker as everybody else seems to. He's okay. I mean, he's not bad, but he's just not the guy that I think that he kind of appears to be when, as I said, you see him and he's bouncing around and he's got all that length. I think he's pretty rote and I think he's pretty predictable. And while he might be a little faster than Jerry, I think Jerry has enough, especially with the counter – punching to, you know, um, maybe even surprise him a little bit. So, yeah, that's why I'm going Jerry. Joe? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'm eating the chalk here as well. Um, right. You know, My yeah, Miles Jory doesn't really beat anybody. Look, it's funny because his losses are all to – his wins have been against inferior competition – I don't know if you can actually, obviously, I don't put Feely in the same, at the same level as Oliveira, Cerrone, and Mendez, which are Jury's last three losses, but I may put him slightly ahead of Rick Glenn, Mike Delator, and, you know, Takanori Gomi. Um, so um, I might put him, uh, uh, you know, slightly ahead of those guys. So what does that mean? Um, I think you guys did a good job of analyzing the fight. I mean, um, He's much Feely is much higher output standing. Um, Jury is obviously has has the jujitsu game. Um, I don't know if he's a better wrestler than Feely though. Feely is an alpha male guy. They got some great wrestlers up there. They train wrestling. Um, I I don't know. I think the wrestling might cancel each other out. So I see Feely winning this at, as a stand up fight striking. However. If he does get into some precarious ground positions, I would not be surprised if Jury could throw up a sub. He just looks so bad in his last fight against Mendez. Mendez coming off of a very long layoff, just literally nuked Jury. And that, I think, closed pretty close to pick him, that fight. So there is some recency bias there and how badly Jury got nuked. Um, I am going to take Feely here. I mean, it's not an overly confident play, but I think he can eke out a standing decision here. All right, let's move on to Vicente Luque, 9,400, taking on Brian Barbarina at 6,800. Most expensive fighter on the card, Luque is minus 460. Barbarina plus 365. Look, everyone has finally come aboard the hype train that I've been singing for a few fights. It's nice when you get – I've been wrong about plenty of fighters. I was wrong about Junior Albini, so I, I will, I'll take that one on the chin, but then you have to allow me a victory lap when I get someone like – Vicente Luque, right? Kid is the real deal. He came into the UFC and he lost to Michael Graves and he has rebounded quick, fast, and in a hurry. Seven and one since then. Putting people to sleep. Knocked out Bilal Muhammad. 
excuse me, quick, excuse me, guys, sorry. <clears throat> quick submission again, or slick submission against uh, Nico Price. Hits hard, good subs, good wrestling, good boxing. Um, moves forward. Brian Barberena is nothing if he is not tough. I've said it before. I don't like when that's your best quality. That's what it is. Can he wear out Vicente Luque to a win? I don't think he's going to be able to out-wrestle Vicente Luque and grind on him for three rounds. Maybe I suspect he's going to try and work the clinch, but I think Luque is just going to be too strong there. So I like Luque. It's, it's a matter of the same conversation we always have. How much of the most expensive fighter on the card can you afford to roster? But what's interesting is right below him, we have Cron Gracie and Cynthia Calvillo, who we're going to talk about in a little while, so I won't spoil them. But compared to those two, Luke is clear in a way my favorite pick on this card. Uh, Joe, what do you got? Yeah, so Luke will be my highest owned fighter. I can say that. I can say that pretty definitively, even though I haven't finished picking up my lineups yet. Um, honestly, I think Brian Barbarina, Bam Bam. I think his toughness actually makes Luke, oddly enough, a really good DraftKings play because he can literally knock the crap out of Bam Bam. And we, we saw, what, Covington take him down 11, 12 times and, and rack up a lot of points even in the decision. So if he, if he does catch him and he gets the early finish, I mean, look, he's better everywhere. Stand up, on the ground. He's been, he trained in Brazil for this camp. Um he can knock him out and get that hundred points. Um, or he could just beat the ever loving crap out of him over the course of three rounds, maybe get a few knockdowns, throw a crap load of, of significant strikes, maybe even do some groundwork and, and get his hundred points there. So, um, I really like, I really like, uh, Luke here. He's going to be my highest owned fighter. I would have maybe, I think one share of bam, bam, if I was doing 20 lineups, but, uh, Luke will be my highest owned fighter. Um, he is my favorite pick of the night, which is not saying much at his price point, but um, I do like him a lot. Chris? Yeah. Um, th there's really only two ways Barbarina wins fights. Uh, basically, either he, he either can, um, he's either going to run through you or he's going to outlast you until you get tired and he's going to beat you that way. Um, I don't really see either one happening here. Uh, we did see Luque uh, get a little tired in that fight against Leon Edwards, so that's a um, that's a concern. But Leon Edwards is by far the more dominant striker, the better grappler. He's got length. He's got way more things that that uh, Luque would have had to deal with. And Barbarina is just such a slow striker. Um, and Luque is not only fast, but he's a really good counter puncher. So um, Barbarina's Barbarina's fast. He's never been uh, knocked out. Uh, he does have a sub-loss on his record, if I remember correctly. And uh, we know Luke can do that, too. We know he um, he's good with the Bravo chokes and the Darce chokes and all that stuff. But um, that would be your one concern, I guess, is if um, Luke is just is just tough enough to do – I mean, if uh, Bam Bam is just tough enough to sort of do the Homer Simpson thing and then tire him out and then maybe go from there. But I don't think you can, you can really bank on that. If that happens, it happens. But – I just think Luke has way too many advantages here, and I think most likely it's going to end in a stoppage loss for uh, Luke. All right, let's move on to Kron Gracie, ninety three hundred, taking on Alex Caceres at sixty nine hundred. 
line on this fight, Kron Gracie minus 280, Caceres plus 240. Another fight that's easy to analyze, Kron Gracie is 3-0 as a pro, has not fought since December 31st of 2016, as you would expect with the last name Gracie. BJJ legend, like world, world-class guy. Um, the second this fight hits the ground, Caceres is in trouble. Caceres is going to try and use his range and stay away in his quickness. He's 14-11 and 11 as an MMA pro. I think Caceres will clearly have the advantage in the feet, but at some point this fight hits the ground and Gracie will get a sub. I just don't know if it'll be a first round, and that, to me, takes away all the upside of Kron Gracie. So Gracie's the pick, but I'm not sure I want a ton of a UFC 3-0 UFC debutant on DraftKings. Chris? Yeah, um, I can't pick Kron Gracie, and it's it, it has nothing to do, well, not everything to do with, with my Alex Caceres fandom, but it does have to do with, look, I don't know if you guys watched his Ryzen fights, but and I'm not the, I'm not the first person to say this, but... It's so hard for me to believe that a game like an MMA game like Chrome Gracie's can be viable in 2019. It's it's at the highest level. It's just weird to me. Um, basically, if you haven't seen his rise in fights, what he does is against really old competition. Um, by the way, is um, try to get into a clinch position, dirty box a little bit, and then pull guard. I I literally don't think I've ever seen him execute a takedown. I may have missed one or two in there. In all fairness, but um, fights I saw, all he tries to do is pull guard. And Alex Caceres is going to be quick. He's going to be moving around. Uh, we've seen him taken down before, of course, but um, you know everybody's had to work for those takedowns. He doesn't just give give them up. Um, th- does Gracie have the kind of pressure that that he's going to be able to wall um, uh, Caceres in the way he could do to you know uh, uh, Kawajiri? Uh, you know, I really don't think so. I don't think. I don't think Caceres is going to be nearly – I know he's not going to be nearly as flat-footed as any of the um, opponents that Kron uh, Gracie has fought so far. And I, I just have a hard time believing guard pulling can work against a guy who's who's at points in the UFC, I mean, record notwithstanding, has looked like a pretty formidable striker. I mean, he can change angles and use his reach, and, and I think that's going to come in handy here. He's got to avoid the ground, of course, goes without saying, but – I just think even in those fights, Gracie's taking a little damage, and this is going to be by far his best opponent. I can't pick Kron Gracie here. I'm going to take Caceres for the stop. I just think at some point it hits the mat, but I, I get what you're saying. It's hard to argue too much. Joe? Yeah, it's pretty bold. Um, you know, I, 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 everything you guys say makes sense. I mean, you know, I think this is, uh, uh, you know, this is the first guy – you know, that Gracie is fighting that isn't either 40 years old or, you know, just got out of puberty. Um, I, I I really don't know what to do here. I mean, I don't know if he's been improving. I know the narrative is, you know, he's been training with the Diaz's um, up in Stockton. Um, you know, I don't know that anyone, like, like goes to Stockton on purpose um, other than to train. So I don't know how long he's been training with the Diaz's and, and what he's actually learned. Um, you have to think that the UFC is maybe giving Gracie a fight that they think he can win. Not that that doesn't always backfire. Um, you know, Caceres, Bruce Leroy, I mean, he lasted five rounds with Yair um, in a main event. in I think it was in Mexico City, wasn't it? Um, at altitude. So, you know, the guy's got cardio. Um 
Uh, I'm going to have a couple of shares of Crone just in case he does get that early finish. Um, I will have a share or two of Caceres in case he ekes out a, a decision. Um, it's not my favorite fight to target, <laughs> but um, I will, with some trepidation, pick Gracie to win. All right, let's go to Cynthia Calvillo, a 9,200, taking on Courtney Castiron Casey at 7,000. Calvillo minus 345, Casey plus 285. To me, Calvillo has a huge ground advantage wrestling in BJJ. Casey needs to keep this fight standing. If Calvillo strikes with her, it could get close, although I would still favor Calvillo, who I think is a legit prospect. Casey, um, you know, is long, has some physical attributes, but ultimately I just think Calvillo is more talented. Uh, so Calvillo would be my play, but again, with Vicente Luque right there, women's MMA fight, how high is the ceiling? Joe? Yeah, so this is my, my what I believe is going to be the highest scoring female fighter on the card here. Um, although that I might have to, you know, kind Jessica of Penne is getting more and more interesting the more I look into yeah, her. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, I love Calvillo and Cash. Um, Casey is, is extremely easy to take down. Um, although because she's fairly strong, um, you know, she may not be as easy to advance on, but you know, everybody can take down Casey. Now, the one reason why I'm not like all in is this is a home fight for Casey. She is an MMA lab gal. Um, you know, going to have all our coaches there, going to have fans there, fights at Arizona. Um, although I, I love Calvillo. I mean, I love her game. I think she got a wake up call when she fought Carla Sparza. Um, you know, she maybe didn't take her seriously enough. Um, coming back off of the, the marijuana, silly, crazy suspension um, for THC. Um, she is, she really looked good in her first fight back very quick. Um, you know, despite her issues in making weight, she looked really, really good. Everybody was kind of backing away a little bit because of her weight issues. Um, I like her here a lot. I, I even think, although Casey is very hard to finish, she could potentially get the finish. But what I'm looking for here is, is grappling type points, which is why I really like her in cash because I think she has a pretty solid floor, although her price tag is pretty high. I'm fairly confident that she's going to win. I'm picking Calvillo. Chris? Yeah, I, I all the women's fights for me this week have been pretty tough. I've been kind of because really? you know, well, yeah, because this is a fight where this is, where you would expect Calvillo to win, and you would expect that the path would be pretty simple. Or take her down because, as Joe said, her takedown defense is hard. I think it's literally south of twenty five percent. It might be like twenty four. Last I looked, so you expect her to be able to take her down at some point. But uh, I also wonder if that happens. I mean, in in the fight against. Um, in her last fight that you guys mentioned, um, she really spent a long time kickboxing. In fact, she went for one takedown in in the first round, had some success, and then just didn't really go back to it uh, the rest of the fight. It's not even that it's not even that she tried takedowns and Asparza Asparza blocked her so much as she just didn't go for takedowns. And Carla Asparza, compared to Courtney Casey, no, I I understand, but I, I it would be it would be different for me if she actually tried and got stuffed and then went okay well now but i guess she I knows where she's going to have the advantage like you know against carla it, that's not an advantage well just, but it's just my opinion but it's not but it's not but as far as i don't think that's an advantage for calvio you think you think that um 
Exactly. No, exactly though. She's not gonna want to grapple with Esparza because she knows Esparza is a great wrestler. No, no, no. Whereas Courtney Casey, you think in the stand-up, Kelvia is that much better than Esparza is? Before the improvements we've seen Esparza make, yes, I think she would have thought, "I'm gonna stand with this chick and I'm gonna outbox her." All right. Well, I mean, fair enough as as to what she might might have thought, I guess. But um, even the matchup against Patello, which she ended up getting a takedown. And 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 uh, getting the sub there—that was off a caught kick. And before that happened, it was she was having trouble with the length of Patello, and she could be having trouble with the length here again. I just—if she was—I think her take—I—I go to fight metrics sometimes just to color in the lines and, and see because we know that she's gonna have to go for takedown. So her her takedown um, her takedown uh, per fifteen is like two. That's not quite what you want to see from somebody who needs to get this fight to the ground. And it, it sort of makes me nervous because, um, you know, she's up against a, a fighter who has a pretty decent boxing game, can throw in combination, goes body head, um, is, is, a, is a decent-ish counterpuncher, is very stiff and not quick. But um, I don't really think that's going to be a problem if uh, with Cavillo um, on the feet, who um, is a slow-paced kickboxer anyway, who's sort of a single strike. So I think the dynamic is pretty clear, as we often say, if Calvillo gets... The takedown, I think it's her fight. But even then, I mean, and I think you guys hit on it, like like Casey has an active enough guard that maybe she she gives Calvillo some problems there. Uh, maybe she can't sub her out as quickly as she might have, you know, uh, a, a uh, you know Pro Gonzalez or somebody. But um, I don't know. It's a tough fight for me. Ultimately, I think I'm picking Calvillo because the takedown defense is just so bad that um, I think um, if you give her the fight that she wants, I have to think that she's going to come away with a victory, but I think it's a closer fight than um, than some might think, and I wouldn't really fault anybody for doing contrarian play on uh, Courtney Casey. All right, cool main event time. Paul Felder, eighty two hundred, taking on James the Textecutioner Vic at eight thousand. Line has flipped since opening. James Vic minus one twenty. Paul Felder plus one hundred. I know Joe said Paul Felder has terrible fight IQ, and it's true which is odd for someone who does commentary for the UFC, but that's what it is. Ultimately, I think he's he should be better than James Vick just about everywhere. He's got a good uh, sub-defense. I think he's got better takedowns. I think he's the better striker if he can get in range and kind of out-muscle James Vick. Just am I sure that he's not going to stand at the end of James Vick's, you know, that long reach he has and just box with him and, make this a close fight that Vic could win. No, I'm absolutely not. Skill for skill, I think Felder's a better fighter. I'm just not confident in his fight IQ. Um, but I will still take him as the pick, even a plus 100. Chris? Uh, yeah, and, and we, we had a little bit of conversation about this fight um, before we went on the air. I like Felder a lot. I think he, he's a crisp, powerful striker. And I think that um, he's, pretty, he's good at like breaking you down and, and making reads on you throughout the course of the fight. My problem is, is that we know kind of where James Vick blind James Vick's blind spot is on the feet, and it's it's um, giving him a lot of pressure, backing him up, and making him um, defend. And as many tall men uh, can, he also can. Uh, we saw obviously the big right hand um, that knocked him out. Even in even in that uh, Francisco Ronaldo fight, he had to bail out of pressure and kind of do the sort of mini jogger on the cage thing. And I think my, one of my main problems here for picking Vic is that I think he's going to stand in the center too much and, and give Vic a fight at range, which is where he's most comfortable. And I think 
where he can do the most damage. Um, I think he's good at putting his punches together. He's good at fighting long. Uh, he's got a good kicking game. He can counter punch some too, as we, we saw in that uh, in the uh, Joe Duffy fight, that uh, counter uppercut that, that uh, well led to a finish. I like I, I want to pick Felder so bad just because I think um, I, I think he might be the more dangerous fighter overall, especially on the feet, um, and he's really good in the clinch too. Um, but I, I, I do wonder if it gets taken there. Um, if Vic won't be able to use that opportunity to get one of his body lock takedowns. I think just thinking about it and gun to my head, I have to take Vic here just because I, I think he's going to give Felder too much. I, I think Felder's going to give him too much of the kind of fight he wants, and he's going to let him uh, thrive a little bit too much. So, uh, yeah, the pick is, is Vic. Joe? Yeah, so I'm on Paul Felder here. Um, just a, clar a clarification, Paul Felder had bad fight IQ. I'm, I, I am very impressed with his two-year run, you know, beating guys like Stevie Ray, um, beating guys like, like Dubronx Oliveira, almost beating Mike, you know, losing a split decision to Mike Perry with a broken arm and cut wide open, um, you know, at 170, no less. Um, very impressed with the way Felder has fought um, over the course of the last two years. Um, I, I think he has gotten a lot smarter um, Rufus Sport is a good camp for him. Uh, I I like him here. Uh, I you know I think he is going to out tough um, Vic. I I also think that you know Justin Gaethje might have taken you know James Vic's soul um, and his here. hair. Yeah, and his hair and and the fact that he is a six foot three fighter cutting to one fifty five. Look, we've seen Instagram photos of Felder. He is in shape and ripped for this fight. His weight cut is on point. Um, I don't know if I could say the same thing for Vic. I'd have to wait to see how he looks. Um, I do like Felder to get inside here and tough it out. Um, I don't know if it's going to go to a decision or get a finish. Um, you know, he is a dog. So there's, you know, the line value is obviously on Vic, which is why you should have some shares of Vic. Um, I am looking to have just a few more shares of Felder and I will pick uh, Felder to get the win here. All right, main event time, and it's going to be the same disclaimer as the Lopez Bermudez fight. Any over analysis, and I'm just um, we're going to end the call, <laughs> end the show. I'm fine with that. I, uh, I got you. I got, I got stuff to do anyway. Let's go. Cain Velasquez nine thousand taking on Francis Ngannou at seventy two hundred. Velasquez is the favorite minus one sixty. One sixty. Jesus. One sixty. Francis Ngannou. The comeback is plus one forty. Fight does not go to decision, which I don't usually don't read on this podcast. It's worth mentioning. Minus 665. That's a big number. I love this fight in GPPs. Either Velasquez is going to take down Ngannou and beat the snot out of him, or he's going to get caught coming in, and Ngannou is going to take his head off. Velasquez coming off a two-and-a-half-year layoff, back problems, all the different things here. Ultimately, I like Kane because he's more polished. Ngannou throws wild hooks. Can't stop a takedown. I, I know that he just knocked out a wrestler in Blades, but Ngannou's a more seasoned fighter. Velasquez is a more seasoned fighter. I think he gets inside, gets a takedown. Um, but it's, what do you think happens? It's how much do you play each guy? Do you have, look, play both guys in GPP for cash games. Play both or don't play either. I, I wouldn't try and pick this fight. It is. I do think it's closer than the salaries would indicate as the lines have closed. But 9,700, load up in GPPs. My pick is Kane Velasquez. Chris, who's your pick in the last fight of the night? 
So the, before I get to that, I have to say that does not go to the distance properly. is is sort of weird to me. I think we, we just don't, no no. I don't think Velasquez could stand up for five straight rounds. Well, no, but just because we we saw we saw Stipe, um, we but saw I don't, Stipe. I, I don't think Velasquez can stand up for five straight rounds with his back. Well, but that, I mean, but I mean that's an assumption that you're making. But the fact is, like when I when I look at this fight, what I, what I see is is the last. Uh, JDS fight where um, where Kane basically you know hammered him out in the clinch, really wore him down. I think that a similar thing is going to happen here, and I think that um, look, I, I would be I would be more willing to pick Nganu if um, if he if he could lead and put pressure at all. He's he's such a he's such an ingrained counter counter fighter that we literally saw in that um, in that Derek Lewis fight where if you don't throw at him. He just won't throw. So I don't think that um, I don't think that Kane really has to worry about being in that much danger on the feet as long as he has his priorities straight and goes right in for his takedown. If he spends any length of time on the feet, then yeah. And if he, if certainly if he tries to uh, lead or be first in an exchange, that's basically suicide. But um, I really I really don't think that happens here. I think that um, I, I hope Joe is okay. Um, but, uh, I really think that, um, I really think that he's just going to grind him out. Uh, that could lead to a finish. It could not, but, um, and of course, Way to go on it, huh? Way to go on a limb. <laughs> but if, I know, right. Well, this is why they, they tune in, man. All these, all these, no, like, we, hot takes. We, we got hot takes coming up. That's, that's true. But, um, and it goes without saying too, as long as we're stating the obvious that Nganu could catch him, but I think. Again, as, as I said, I think that if if um, Ingano was more of a comfortable striker, a comfortable more of a comfortable lead striker, I would worry about that way more. As it is, I think Kane just kind of grind him out over um, five rounds. It could end in finish. I'm I'm really I'm really not forecasting that, which is why that line kind of took me by surprise. It could I could be way wrong. This is your but, hot take. Your hot take is done. Is the main event goes okay, distance? Okay, uh, fair enough. As I said, I give the people what they want when it comes to this stuff. So. That that's gonna be it, but um, but yeah, I expect Kane to wear on him. I guess not. Maybe a late finish, but um, you know, I it wouldn't surprise me if it went to the bell. But Kane Velasquez is the pick. Joe, yeah, you know, look, um, I I was so I was so burned by Ngannou in his fight against uh, uh in his fight against Derek Lewis that you know it, it really kind of turned me off of him, and I was pretty much overexposed to uh, to Blades in the last fight. So, you know, with that said, um, you know, all reports that I hear or, or, or the rumors and the whispers that I hear about Kane is that he does not look like the same old Kane, that he looks slower, older. Um, you know, he was never a physical specimen, but, you know, he looks actually kind of, you know, on, on the – Side of Dan Kelly, dad bod. Um, you know, he no, never what, had a good physique, though. Exactly, exactly. But what does that mean? Like, okay, so what does that mean here? Um, oh, man, look, Nganu, this fight is pretty easy to analyze. I think Nganu nukes Kane early, um, or, uh, you know, Kane grinds out a, a, a decision. Um, I, I, I'm going to assume that the cardio edge is going to go to. Ngannou, but that doesn't mean like we saw him last against Stipe, but 
Um, he, you know, outside of him catching him early in, in, in the fight, he really didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, he was able to get up a couple of times, but, ah, uh, God, I, I, I hate picking Kane having not seen. And by the way, you know, this is crazy matchmaking. Like, why not give Kane a tune-up first? Um, really interesting fight. Um, I think you should have, I don't see this as a cash fight at all. And I honestly do think that there are some, you don't have to have 100% of your lineups in this fight. Um, I think right now I'm at 75 or 80%. So I do have a 20% fade on this fight as a whole. Um, I am going to pick Kane, but it's not with a supreme amount of confidence. And I will have fairly equal weight in GPPs for both these guys. So I know I can't pick each guy. So I'm going to like pick Kane to win, but I would recommend having a fairly balanced approach in GPPs. So just out of curiosity, like I know because I've seen people uh, going back and forth saying either one, but I see more people on Kane now, which I wasn't sure that's what we were going to get at the beginning of the week. But what do you think his his um, ownership is going to be based on the price? I think the I think the ownership of Vinganu is going to be higher. Okay, you know I, I think, think I, I think I do believe like that. Kane at forty and Ngannou at fifty. Really? Wow, that's pretty yeah, high. Crap. I I think I think people are going to shove on this fight. Well, I, I, I hope I hope Luke is high. Well, Luke should be higher owned than Kane. Actually, I hope he's not for selfish reasons. But um, I think Luke is going to come in around 40 percent too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. I mean, I, I would, my own, but who knows? I would hope that Luke would be higher owned than Kane, but maybe not. All right, let's do some hot takes. We have Chris's hot take. He says the main event will go all five rounds. Just out of curiosity, um, what kind of what kind of odds would I get on that? Um, I'll look for you, but it's probably like plus five hundred. Wait, and so five that goes five rounds. Plus four twenty three. I'm going to Vegas, boys. Forget it. I'm going to Vegas in a week and a half. <laughs> I'm oh, going yeah? in March, actually. Yeah. Going in March. Yeah. See, you know, should have worked this out better. Anyway. <laughs> uh. Got a hot take for us, Jim? I have a hot take, but um, if, uh, let's see. So Nagano wins five round decision is eleven to one. Uh, Velasquez wins five round decision is five and a half to one. If anybody wins a decision, I guess it'll be Kane. But it's it's just it seems crazy to even think about. Okay, so my hot take is this: I'm going to give you guys a a nine to one parlay opportunity here. Oh boy. Um, Cynthia Cavio wins inside the distance. Um, Renan Burrell wins inside the distance. Um, pays nine and a quarter to one based on current odds on five dimes. Not that I'm promoting any one website to use for gambling, but uh, that's what I use to, to calculate the parlay odds. It's a nine and a quarter to one parlay. Um, Burrell inside the distance uh, and uh, Calvio inside the distance. I'm debating between two hot takes. All right, guys, which one of these is hotter? Paul Felder wins inside the distance, or or Jessica Penne wins inside the distance. Penne is hotter take, I think. I'll go Penne inside Penne. the Penne inside the distance. All right, guys, that's what we got for UFC. Phoenix, again, thank you to Rotowire. Make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial to all their paid content. No credit card required. Have any questions for us, make sure and hit us on Twitter at the DFS Sniper, at Real Chris Olsen, at Sun Tzu. Guys in chat, thank you. It has been fun. You guys got anything to add before we get out of here? 
No, man. Next week, I believe, is Prague, right? Yes. JDS and Derek Lewis. Oh, wow. Speaking of, huh? There we go. go. All right, guys. Good luck in your contest. We'll see you next week here on Fight IQ. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.